Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Could we be busier? The NBA off and running. MLB off and walking slowly. One NFL team is in huge trouble and a special Wednesday edition of Who You Got. All that and more in the hopper. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. All right, the place to start is with the tip-off of the NBA season last night. Two interesting games, plus the monster story coming out of Philly. Let's do all of that. It is my delight to say that both Doris Burke and Tim Legler have hung out in studio here after Get Up to do a few more minutes of Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Guys, thank you both very much <coughs> for doing that. And, and Doris, I will start with you, well, let's quickly start with last night's games before we get into some of the other stories. We see the Lakers and the Warriors, and, and to me it feels like the biggest storyline of the Lakers is they put all this together. If LeBron is healthy, we know what he's going to be. If Anthony Davis is healthy, I think we know what he's going to be. What is Russell Westbrook, a, a legit NBA superstar, going to be? Last night was a rough start. I think we don't know the answer to that, and I think that's going to be a constantly evolving process, to be perfectly honest with you. This is a man who has been the driving force of most offenses he's been associated with, and if he hasn't been first, he's been second. And now he's going to have the ball, Tim, less frequently. When he does have it, he's going to have to move it quicker. And you said something on multiple platforms this morning that intrigued me, the idea that perhaps his best role, uh, which he may not be open to, could be coming off the bench. I just think it'll allow him to – retain as much of who he is as a player as possible while contributing to a winning situation. I mean, think about how cool it would be if he embraced that, if they ever got to this point. And he made it a goal, which, by the way, he would win in a landslide if he wanted to become the sixth man, sixth of, the year. man of the year. Because you're talking about a guy that even in, let's say, you know, he's a 28, because he'll still be on the floor for the close of the game. He's going to be out there for the last six minutes, right, because of who he is. So you're talking about 28, 30-minute-a-night guy. He's going to average maybe a triple-double off the bench. Like, make that your goal, could you imagine? Like, in the impact on winning. Because in this role, and I don't think that's going to happen, by the way, because I just don't think he would embrace that. I I just think that'd be a difficult thing for him to wrap his head around. In this role, it's going to be tough sledding a lot of nights to try to figure out, how do I impose my will offensively on this game when it's just not in my hands that much? And as Dora said, my decision-making's different. I'm not a spacer. I'm not a catch-and-shoot guy. How do I find a way to make my mark in ways other than are just energy? Because some of that has to be putting the ball in the basket and being who you are. And that's just, I think, going to be a tough rhythm to find for him. It it does feel like his best minutes on the floor are going to be when LeBron isn't on the floor. And and that is going to be sort of a complicated puzzle. I do think we saw what the Lakers potentially could be. And that's a devastating transition force. Um, they've got speed. You've got exceptional passers in LeBron James and Rajon Rondo. Um, but he is not a great cutter, Greeny. Um, he's not going to score enough off tip dunks or, or things of that nature. Um, and so this is going to be the unfolding storyline. But the fact of the matter is, whatever his role turns out to be, if Anthony Davis is at the level we saw last night, then they are in the com- conversation for championship. Because LeBron James in year 19 – the first play he makes in the game is a block coming over in, in defensive rotation, and Father Time has not quite caught him yet. Now we'll see over 82 games. But when, when Anthony Davis is healthy, engaged, assertive, and aggressive, they're a different team because he's as big a problem 
healthy and engaged as anybody else in the league on both ends. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Doris Burke and Tim Legler with us here for a few extra minutes, and, and we're so appreciative. Let me go to the other game last night. The defending champion, Milwaukee Bucks, they get their rings. Giannis goes out there. He plays great, looks great. They win going away in the fourth quarter against a Brooklyn Net team that is arguably the most confounding one in the NFL, uh, NFL, in the NBA, based upon the circumstances with Kyrie. So let me ask you this, Tim. In the absence of Kyrie Irving, what are the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, they're a team right now that I think has enough talent to be right there you know, near the top of the East. But right now, they're, they're miles away from the Bucs. Right? The Bucs are confident. They're champions. They're intact. They got better offensively. They believe they're just in a different place right now than every other team in the league, honestly. So the Nets aren't there yet. They have enough talent to be looking them in the eye at some point. What they are right now are a team that has two of the top five offensive players in the NBA that haven't played a lot together that have to figure out the ebb and flow of games together. They haven't really done that, those two guys, much less all of the role players around them understanding every night how to get in a comfort zone of what it's like to play with those two guys. So they are a work in progress that at their best are going to be a team. It's never going to be great defensively, but could be so good offensively, it'll make up for all of that on the other end of the floor. But they're not there right now because they just don't have enough time together. What strikes me is some of the things that haunted them a season ago already haunted them in game one, and that's rebounding because of their lack of size. And the second thing is the defensive end, which you just mentioned. Now, we will say, remember what happened in the playoffs. Their defense turned it up a notch. Uh, But those two things have got to be a concern for Steve Nash. In the event they get Kyrie back, and that still seems like the likeliest scenario because it's just hard to imagine that this will go on all year, then they overcome practically anything by just outscoring everyone, and we see if that winds up winning them a championship. If not, then I think they have a variety of questions. Let me go a, a couple of other places with you quickly. We're going to be doing NBA Countdown tonight from the floor at the Garden. We've got the Knicks and the Celtics, who are two interesting teams in what is suddenly a very competitive East. If you wanted to make an argument, the East is every bit as good as the West now. I think you could. Doris, who goes farther? Which team do you buy into more as this season begins, the Knicks or the Celtics? My first leaning would be the Knicks. But I'm going to say this. If Kemba Walker can get the burst back that made him an all-star, and you can combine he and Derrick Rose at the point guard position, then I think their ceiling may be a little bit higher. But we've also seen Kemba Walker when he's been unavailable, and that's frustrating for the guys around him. We've seen him in pick-and-roll action, which is his best play coming off that high screen at the top of the key, gets into it, can shoot it at a great percentage because he's put in all those work. He gets swallowed up in the playoffs because there's no burst there. Um, if he can get back and healthy, I love what he can do to elevate the Knicks. Yeah, I love it. My answer is going to be the Knicks, and I, you know, I didn't think I'd say that, but I, here's why. Part of it has been with Kemba Walker, his health. I completely agree. I also think there was a part of it with Kemba Walker. He also, like we're talking about Westbrook, he never really looked like he completely understood when he could go be Kemba Walker, the guy we saw in Charlotte. For all those years, who at his core, what is he? He's a scoring point guard. He's an attacking point guard. Now he's on this team, and he's such a great guy and great teammate, and he's got a bounce and a smile, and all those things are great. But he's got a team with two forwards they're building their offense around. As a point guard, that was difficult for him to navigate. I could see it night on a nightly basis. 
I think now he's back in a place, and I know Julius Randle took a big step forward next year, but they desperately need leadership as a primary ball handler. Kemba Walker is in New York. He's expressed, I'm thrilled to be there, and he's going to go back to that role that he had before. It's his show. You're first. We're going to run off of your battery. And I think you're going to see Kemba Walker have an enormous year. Fournier is a great pickup. I really like the Knicks. And I think Boston has some questions to answer with their roster. And look, you got a first-time head coach. Let's see what Ime Udoka's impact is on their team offensively. So that's one game. Another team that I'm intrigued by, and, and I, part of that is just, A, I'm married to a fan of the team, and B, I have a million friends, is the Bulls. Because they have gone all in. This is a team that, that has felt so irrelevant for so long. Suddenly they feel very relevant but, Tim, how good do we expect them to be? Much improved. I love some of their additions, Doris. But, you know, I guess my biggest question about them is DeMar DeRozan is a guy that he, he plays a methodical type of game offensively. He's a mid-range guy. He likes to get it, hold it a little bit, play some ISO. How does that affect Zach Levine, ultimately, who's been in such an incredible rhythm with this team over the last couple of years? That's going to, I think, define their season because I love the other pickups. Caruso, the grit, the toughness you bring in. You know, Vucevic is a great offensive player they have now. Lonzo Ball is going to get the ball hopping. So I think that, that relationship, Levine, DeRozan, what does that look like, Doris? That's what I'm curious to see. It's a great question, and I don't know where Zach Lowe ranked Chicago in terms of his most watchable teams on League Pass, mm-hmm. but for me, they're going to be an awful lot of fun, and Zach Levine's life should be easier. Now, it will be an adjustment for him because instead of having to hold the ball and manufacture offense for himself and his teammates, you have Lonzo Ball to help with that. And, you know, we, we've spent a lot of the morning on various shows talking about Ben Simmons and where he is. Look at a guy like Lonzo Ball. And what he did to make himself a better three-point shooter, like the confidence, the air with which he's playing right now. And you're right, the Caruso pickup. Caruso's a guy that's easy to play with because he understands how to play, and he gives you great effort on the defensive end. I think Chicago's going to be a fun, fun watch all year. He had them eighth, by the way. He has them number eight on his list of the most watchable teams in the NBA behind Atlanta, Denver, I'm scrolling, Charlotte, Charlotte, Golden State, Milwaukee, the Lakers, and the Nets. So wow. that I do like how dramatically I built that. That was literally as fast as I could scroll through all this. All right, I saved the worst for last. Let's just get a quick thought on the debacle that is Philadelphia. Doris, what can Ben Simmons ever play for the Sixers again, and what happens from here? I don't see it. I think the fan base would be merciless. I just don't see an easy ending, Legs. You have sabotage on Ben's behalf because it's the only leverage he's got. You've got resolve for the Sixers. I just don't see this going away, certainly not before December. This this isn't business. Players understand business. And a guy walks in one day when the business has been resolved and players go, I get it. That could be me one day. I could be in that situation. Meaning it's not about money is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. It's not about business. This is personal. Ben made it personal, and he felt personally he was not defended. He was, thought he was thrown under the bus by his coach and his star player. I think that's a little bit of an excuse for him because I think also mentally he knew the way he looked in the Atlanta series, they're not going to forget that in Philadelphia. He knows the market he's in. He knew he couldn't go back there as a player with what happened in that series and the meltdown psychologically, offensively for him. So now you have a situation. It's not business. It's personal. He doesn't want to play for the coach. He doesn't want to play with their best player. How do you resolve that? You can force him back to the court, I guess, by freezing him out financially. And if that's what you want to do, go ahead. But you're not going to have a guy walk through that door that's invested emotionally in winning and losing. And every player on the team knows it. So does the head coach. 
So this doesn't end well in terms of forcing him onto the court and thinking that that's going to be a winning product. It's going to be unsustainable. So what are the two options? You keep him home and suspend him, keep him home and pay him. Neither of those are great because it's distracting and you're down an all-star player that you haven't replaced. Trade him. It's going to have to come down to a trade. The question is, how long are the Sixers going to hold on to the thought of what they can get back for him? That's what we're going to find out here pretty soon. We know it's not going to end well. We just don't know if it's going to end soon. Uh, both of you guys, I can't tell you much. I appreciate this. So great to have you both so down fun. here. Please stop by anytime. Doris Burke, Tim Legler, awesome. Thank you both. Coming up next, uh, after I, with this word from Straight Talk Wireless, which has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299, no contract. All on America's best network, Straight Talk Wireless, 5G capable device required. Actual availability coverage and speed may vary. Up next, our green light. We have reached DEFCON 1 with baseball's biggest problem, and you'll hear what it is right after this on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Ready to go right now. Green light with Greeny. All right, I'm going to take the green light here quickly as we bring Hembo into the conversation, my vice president of baseball uh, insight and knowledge. Um, and I want to read a tweet. I, I, I want to tell you briefly about my afternoon. Mm. So, you know, I'm starting my NBA shows tonight. So we had a rehearsal here, and, and we're doing them from this building. Tonight we're going to be at the Garden, but generally they're going to be from the same building in which we do this. It's very convenient for me. But I had hours and hours. So I went home. The Dodgers and the Braves start. That game is on when I'm in my house. I then came here. I see the games on the TVs here. We did rehearsals, photos, and a meeting. It was about three hours in total that I was here. I went home, and the game was in the eighth inning. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's just not okay. And Buster Olney tweeted, and I hadn't been following the game because I had been working and I look it up and I realize that four, they, they had 14 pitchers in this game. In this one baseball game, 14 different people pitched. The Dodgers had nine pitchers appear in the game last night. And Buster tweeted, there is a desperate need for baseball and the Players Association to talk about all the pitching changes and restoring the preeminence of the starting pitchers. It'd be better for the product. It'd be better for the union, given the importance of starters in setting market prices. 
And I would just make this Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. If you've lost Buster, who have you kept? Now, again, we are not that show. Our stock and trade is not knocking baseball. We love baseball. No one loves it more than Hembo. But that is why I think it is most important that we point out when there seems to be a real problem. Both games last night took well over four hours to play. An NBA game last night took two hours and 20 minutes to play. Hembo, we have a problem. We have a major problem. You're right. We're not the show that just talks about the things that baseball doesn't do well. But this isn't just us. This is all over the place now because people are sort of fed up. Greeny, there have been 35 pitching changes in the three games in that series. 35 pitching changes in three games. And during the postseason as a whole, starters are getting, on average, 12 outs per start. Four innings. It would be the lowest mark in any postseason all time. So there is no question. Buster's tweet you can take in you know, one of two ways. I agree with him that reestablishing the importance of the starting pitcher is something that we need to do. That is, the, that, is the, that is a consequence of prioritizing that when in reality what you really have to focus on here is just how long the games are taking because not only is the pace of play just terrible, but obviously there is no reasonable explanation for the average game in the postseason this year is three hours and 40 minutes long. And, and, None. And is the solution because we don't want to sit here, straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise, and, and criticize or point out bad things because we don't want bad things. We want good things. This is a problem. We want to solve it. Right. We brought it up the other day. The answer has to lie in limiting the number of people who can pitch for a team in a game, yes? Yes, there, is, there are a million things people have suggested in terms of baseball improving its pace of play and thus reducing the length of games. But the research shows that, on average, a pitching t- change detours the game by about 10 minutes. You do the math. Because if you look at the amount of action in a baseball game, it's no different than, there, than it was 100 years ago when the games were, on average, 2 hours and 15 minutes. No one's asking us to get back to that point. But... There are no kids, you know, that, that are fans of the Houston Astros. They got to finish that game last night. None. Or the Red Sox. Or, in, or probably in some cases, the Braves or the Dodgers because that game was so ridiculously long. It started at 5 o'clock, and like you said, it ended after 9. So, like, to, to, to pretend like this isn't a problem and just to, you know, mass, you know, canvas the fact that, yes, they ended well. Like, like would you sit through a four-hour movie just because you know it might end well? Like, that's sort of my question. And, and here's the thing that frustrates me is that anytime we have conversations like this, there are baseball fans who will say, oh, if you don't like it, don't watch. You're hating on the game and all that kind of stuff. And, and that's the only reason that I preface this mm. by saying if you are one who is inclined to say that, then you don't listen to this show. We don't do that. We talk all year long about baseball. Again, that's the reason I brought Hembo on to the show, first and foremost. I mean, he does a lot of things well, but this is the most important thing. And we're now pointing out something that is an obvious problem, and they need to do something about it. So was it Boog Shambi who asked this question? Yes, in the, in the, in the chat yesterday. Who typed that in? Okay, I really like it. it. It's a great trivia question. There have been 52 starting pitchers so far in this postseason. There have been 52 games. All right, 26 games, excuse me, right? So there have been 52 starting pitchers, including yesterday's games. How many of those pitchers do you believe faced 27 batters in a game? Out of 52 pitchers, I'm looking over at Brandon. The other guys have access to the Google Doc. Nuno, <laughs> Nuno and, and, and Bubba, have you seen the answer to this already? 
Don't uh, answer it if you have. Yes. Okay, so you've seen it. Uh, Bubba doesn't even know the Google Doc exists. Bubba, uh, have you seen the answer? Oh, Bubba's wearing a Des Bryant jersey today. That's <laughs> yeah, Des Wednesdays. He's changed his shirt. It's Des Wednesdays. Um, do you know, out of 52 starts, because there's been 26 playoff games, how many times has the starting pitcher faced 27 batters? I'm going to guess two. Now, the answer is one. One, it was Logan Webb all the way back at the beginning, and he faced 28 batters. You didn't ask, got 27 outs. Oh, no, no. You 27 outs? <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. No one even thinks about getting 27 yeah, outs. That's just insane. What are you faced crazy? 27 batters, meaning actually went through the lineup three times. Yeah, it's crazy. And it, it is out of 52 starts. Now, I'm here to tell you that baseball is supposed to be more than anything else about the great and heroic starting pitcher who is out there in the seventh inning still battling and fighting and clinging and and he's, he's almost gassed, but he's still got a little bit left in the tank and do they finally get to him here? That's what the sport is. That's what baseball is. So before we even talk about pitch clocks and all these other things that, that I know are part of the conversation, that's what we need to talk about. We're losing the best thing about the sport. Home run hitters and great starting pitchers were the superstars of my youth Uh and the superstars of the sport for the 100 and something years of its existence up until like last Wednesday. I I don't know when, (laughs) like I I missed a meeting, but I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I I feel like we we were were doing Mike and Mike, so it certainly is in the last 20 years that we would sit and analyze these series before they started by saying, well, who has the advantage in starting pitching? Who's going to have, who's got a third starter? Who's got, dare I say, a fourth starter who we could expect to take the ball? We weren't sitting there and talking about the, the guy who's going to come out of the bullpen and give you two innings in every game. I don't like that guy. That, that guy <laughs> has become the most valuable guy in the sport, but he doesn't sell tickets. He's not getting me excited about this game. We have to resurrect the starting pitcher because if you're, if you're not old enough to remember, believe me, that guy was the biggest star in baseball. Mm. Greeny, the, the Red Sox and the Astros have played four games in their series. Yeah. Houston's starting pitchers have combined for six and two-thirds innings, and they've won two of those games. That's the, that's the strategy that teams employ now. It's incredible. Even if you're ineffective, you can still overcome it because you, you're allowed to have a dozen guys that throw 95 miles an hour that can come in and get three outs. All right. I want to get back to this in a couple of minutes because I got Matt Barry ready to go here. But that that really is something else. Uh, all right. Uh, every every week we like to bring in Matt Barry to a special Wednesday here. Matthew Barry is in our studio with the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Good morning, Matthew Barry. Good morning, Greeny. And I have to tell you, I was listening to uh, you and Hembo talk right there. Yeah. Uh, before we get into football for a second, sure. could not agree with you more. Good. So just very quickly, you like I have kids, right? So I have kids, and I'll never forget this, probably like five years ago when my kids were probably like 14, 12, and like eight. And I got, I'm an Angels fan. I lived in LA for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And the Angels were coming to Yankee Stadium. And so I went to my kids and I said, hey guys, the Angels are coming this weekend to Yankee Stadium. They're going to play the Yankees. Do you guys want to go? I'll get tickets. And, you know, luckily working here at ESPN, I know this is true for you, for all of us, you know, when you go to a game, you get, you get pretty, you treated, get treated pretty well, right? They know we're not going to be in the nosebleeds. Mm-hmm. And, and so they understand that that's going to be a pretty special experience. And they looked at me and they said, do we have to? Mm. 
And active. I'm just, again, that's sort of anecdotal, but I, I cannot tell you, like, just, you know, I follow all my kids on, on social media and everything like that. I don't see kids talking about baseball. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you talk about four-hour games. Like, our kids are in a, are in a TikTok generation. Mm-hmm. Literally, they flip, if they don't, have, if they're not interested in within 10 seconds, they're flipping through. That's right. I mean, you know, Snapchat and take, and I'm just, I'm just telling you, that's the issue. It's, it's not that ratings are down. It's not that they aren't making a ton of money. All that stuff is true. I'm just telling you, the younger generation. I sound like an old man on on the hill, you know, holding my arm. But like, you know, you grasky kids off my lawn. But mm-hmm. it's true. Like kids don't care about baseball the way when you and I were growing up. It's 100 percent right. And and when my kids were little, they enjoyed going to games. But I did notice at some point, like in, in the beginning of the second inning, they were on their phones. Yeah. And at first, I, my Stace was like, tell them not to be on their phones. So I would tell them not to be on their phones. And then by the second, by the, by the bottom of the second, I was like, all right, just pick it back up again. <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> pretend you should be excited by this. Right. I just can't do it. No, you're, you're looking around for the, cont- is there a cotton candy guy going around right. somewhere? Like, <laughs> exactly. All right, let, let's get to your stock and trade here. Matthew Barry is on because he invented fantasy football. And, um, we got a lot of things to deal with here, and, and let's start with Cleveland. They have every single conceivable problem, but the one that applies most to fantasy football, I assume, is their running back situation. Take me through this. So Kareem Hunt placed on injured reserve. He's going to miss at least the next three weeks. Nick Chubb already ruled out. Remember, they play the Thursday night game. They're playing the Broncos on Thursday night. So it's the Ernest Johnson, Greeny, that will be uh, carrying the uh, the rock for the Cleveland Browns. I picked former. him up. I picked him up. Nice. That's what I did this morning. Is that a good move? That is a that is a good move. He's a guy that averaged over five yards a carry last year when he filled in for Chubb. Uh, they have they have another guy, uh, Demetric Felton, who's much more of a pass catcher, uh, a Tavon Austin type for uh, for for some context that I haven't watched a bunch of Cleveland Browns, but much more of a wide receiver, a pass catcher, kind of a you know uh, a. A scat back type. So Dearness Johnson is the guy that's going to get the majority of work against a, a Broncos team that, listen, this is not a great matchup, but the Browns are one of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL. It's one of the better offensive lines. I expect them to get a lot of work, and in a week like this, with six teams on a bye, the expectation here is that uh, Dearness Johnson... Very useful. I'm as a, I have him as a top 20 play this week. He's still out there in a decent amount of ESPN leagues. Okay, He's I solid think that answers back. the question I was going to ask you. I'm going to be one of those people now who's always asking you this guy or that guy. Yeah. Because I have both him and Javante Williams on my roster in that same game, and I probably don't have room to start them both. So is it unquestionably Johnson who I should start in that scenario? I, I don't think it's unquestionably Johnson. I, I have Johnson at 23. I have Javante Williams at 27 this oh, week. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's basically a little bit of a coin flip. I would probably go Johnson just in the sense that he's likely to get the majority of the work. Williams has been splitting time with Melvin Gordon. Right. Exactly. Cleveland's the fifth best run defense over the last four weeks. So it's a tough matchup for on both sides of the ball. So I tend to, you know, I tend to go with volume. You know, uh, there, so it's close. It's basically going to come down to which one of those guys scores a touchdown, but uh, more volume means more chances to score a touchdown. That's why I have Johnson slightly higher. Okay, I'm in on that. Matthew Barry, again, the man who invented fantasy football. <laughs> so let me, let me then go to this. You just mentioned there are six teams on buys this week. So many people will find themselves, as I did, in a situation where I got to make some moves and you figure out who was available. So what are some of those moves people should be thinking about? Well, right. You think about this. The Bills, the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Vikings, the Chargers, 
and the Jaguars. It's not just six teams. Like, it's six of the best teams for fantasy football mm. are out, right? I mean, especially at the running back position. No Dalvin Cook, no Najee Harris, no Austin Eckler, right? No Ezekiel Elliott, no James Robinson. So it gets pretty dicey here. So I'll just run through a few options that I like uh, that are available, at least as of this morning, were available more than 50% of ESPN leagues. I like Matt Ryan against Miami this week. Mm. Uh, I think he, coming off of the bye, it's a... Both both defenses there uh, have struggled, uh, so my expectation here is that Matt Ryan has a pretty good game this week. Also, Derek Carr, by the way, did you know this? This is this might uh, Hambo knows this, but the rest of your audience may not. That uh, as of through the first six weeks of the season, the only player with more passing yards in the NFL than Derek Carr is Tom Brady. Mm. Wow. So I mean, they, I mean, they are chucking it all over the place. Uh, new wow, offense on both fronts, frankly. That Brady is forty-four years old and leads the league in that category, uh, and then the Derek Carr of it all. Yeah, it's insane, right? I mean, all yeah. all of it's insane. Weirdly, I think the Brady part is the least surprising. We're just so used to this guy doing amazing <laughs> That's true. things. Yeah. That's true. Um, so, uh, but anyway, so yeah, Derek Carr, I like him uh, in uh, what should be a high-scoring game against the Eagles at running back J.D. McKissick. We still don't know the health of Antonio Gibson, but what's happened with the Washington football team, which that defense is one of, if not the most disappointing, one of the most disappointing stories in sports yeah. based on preseason expectations, talent on the team, and investment between the first-round picks and what they've spent on that secondary it is by far, I think, the worst defense in the NFL. And uh, they're a negative game script quite a bit. Now they have to go to Green Bay. They're playing the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers just rolls all over them. They're nine and a half point underdogs. The Washington football team is. So McKissick, who's been a top 15 fantasy running back three different times already this year, he's their passing down back. I like him quite a bit. Wide receiver, we talked about the Raiders. I like Hunter Renfro, who has at least five catches in five of six games so far this year. Um, uh, the Eagles struggle in, in coverage in the slot, which is where Renfro uh, lines up quite a bit. And at, uh, at tight end... Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, going back to Washington here for a second, mm-hmm. Ricky Seals-Jones has played every snap but one the last two games for Washington. Scored last week, got three end zone targets two weeks ago. Uh, he's filling in for Logan Thomas again. It's a game where they're going to be having to throw quite a bit. I also like Zach Ertz now in Arizona being on the field with Kyler Murray, and part of that offense is obviously going to help his fantasy stock. He's available more than 50% of ESPN leagues. Okay, very good. And actually, as you are talking here, and this is all awesome, I've got news. Uh, and because Nuno just said it in my ear, is it Shefty tweeting it or where, where would I yeah, see so, that? Yeah, uh, so Schefter just tweeted Browns announced Case Keenum. Browns announced will Case Keenum wow. will start against the Broncos. So Baker Mayfield, wow. who suffered that terrible looking, he had the torn labrum earlier in the season. He suffered a terrible looking reaggravation of that the other day. And this does not come as a huge surprise, but you still heard both Hembo and um, and Matt Berry there at the same time saying, wow, what, what does this mean? I'm assuming a lot of people have Baker Mayfield as their quarter. From a fantasy standpoint, it obviously has a lot of other ramifications yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, Baker Mayfield isn't that popular as a, as a fantasy quarterback, no. Greeny, so yeah. it's not going to affect that many people. But again, we just talked about this, right? I mean, no Josh Allen, no Justin Herbert, uh, no Big Ben, no, uh, no Dak Prescott. No Kirk Cousins, who, by the way, is a top 10 fantasy quarterback this year. So uh, and now no Baker Mayfield. Russell Wilson's obviously already out. So people are scrambling around, no pun intended, for running back uh, for uh, for quarterbacks. I think fantasy wise, I don't know that you necessarily want Case Keenum as a streamer. Like there's other guys that I prefer, as we just talked about some of those guys Mm -hmm. for like, you know, Tannehill as as well. But uh, I think Case Keenum's okay. 
I think he'll be fine. Understand that this isn't a pass-heavy offense to begin with. I think it's a low-scoring game. Over-under is around 43 in this one, so probably a fairly low-scoring game. But I think Case Keenum gets a bad rap. It's a little bit of a hashtag revenge game narrative for him. He's Mm -hmm. facing the Broncos, of course, his former team. One of the problems that is going to face Keenum is the fact that he's unlike Odell Beckham Jr. is a game time decision. He got beat up, and so you know, does Jarvis Landry come back? Does he have Odell Beckham Jr.? Uh, to me, I think potentially the safest pass catcher on the Browns might be Donovan Peoples Jones, who caught the hail mary last week. Obviously, that inflates his stats, but still over a hundred yards and a touchdown last week. Seventy yards on five receptions the week before. Donovan Peoples-Jones is somebody they like a lot in Cleveland, and so that's a wide receiver that I think will get a lot of targets against the Broncos from Case Keenum. But it's um, it's a brutal night. It's, a, it's tough. Man. That's that is a third. I mean, you know, what a Case Keenum and Thursday Teddy Bridgewater yeah, Thursday night football. Like rough. it's a, you know, that's uh, you know, you feel bad for him. And and by the way, that's Greeny just taking it out of fantasy for a second. I mean, those are two teams that need to win, right? Oh, yeah. Those are two teams that started the season hot and have have gotten a bunch of losses. Like, one of those teams is going to be 3-4 and four after Thursday night, and, and neither of them are going to be happy with it. I have a lot more thoughts on that game. We'll get to it in a minute. I'm out of time. Matthew Barry, you're the best. Thank you so much. Again, the man who invented fantasy football. Uh, we'll take a short break here. We'll come back with that. That's, again, the breaking news here. Baker Mayfield out for tomorrow. Greeny, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Rolling along here on ESPN Radio and inviting you to be a part of Greening Nation. On the Dr. Pepper call-in line, ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. College football heating up. Fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Again, the breaking news, the Browns have announced that Baker Mayfield will not start at quarterback for them tomorrow night. Case Keenum will, and this is just a disastrous situation for the Browns, who may, who genuinely may be less equipped to play a Thursday game this week than any team has ever been. Um, because I don't know if they're going to have Odell, and I don't know if they're going to have maybe Jarvis Landry back, and they're not going to have either of their tackles, and they're not going to have Nick Chubb, and they're not going to have Kareem Hunt. So they're in real trouble. But this goes well beyond that for Baker Mayfield. So Baker Mayfield is a guy who came into this season with probably as much riding on the outcome as anybody. He's in the same draft class as Josh Allen, who's gotten paid as Lamar Jackson, who is now setting himself up to get paid, you know, like a Mahomesian mm-hmm. kind of contract. And 
Baker is the guy for, I think, all of the right reasons that there was some question. Do you pay him or do you not? And he bet on himself. And if he had a huge year, which he isn't, and if the Browns had a huge year, which they aren't, then he probably stood to make like $150 million. But now what's going to happen? So they've picked up his fifth-year option. This is his fourth year. So he's got one more year. Does he go the Kirk Cousins route? Like, does he try and position himself into a place where he becomes the franchise tag guy? Because for all we knock the franchise tag, if you're a quarterback, the franchise tag by that, by that time is going to be, and what's it going to be? Like 20, a high 20s or $30 million? I mean, the, the franchise tag made Dak Prescott an enormous amount of money. Mm. The franchise tag contributed to making Kirk Cousins, I think, the highest paid player in NFL history for a long stretch of time. So that might actually be the route that it goes here. Were you telling me, Nuno, the guys were talking about that on on KJM this morning? No, we were just talking about that during the break with with one of the producers uh, about that. And actually, so this past year's franchise tag for QBs was slightly under $25 million. Slightly under twenty five, and that's going to keep going up. He's still got a year before he gets to that. Some new quarterback contracts will drive that up. Again, it's an average of the top salaries of the position. So that might be a direction that it goes for him. We'll see. The bottom line of it is, this is what I learned this morning. Baker Mayfield's injury to his non-throwing shoulder is one that does not heal. It doesn't get better on its own. It will require surgery, unquestionably. That's not an opinion. The injury is one that will require surgery. The question is, does he have it? During the season, like now, in which case he's out for the rest of the year, or does he try and manage the pain, play through the entire season and see how it goes and have it in the off season? I don't know that there's a really good option here. That's a really tough situation for him to be in. You could tell in watching the game on Sunday that it was affecting him immensely. I mean, he's a quarterback that, frankly, needs a lot of things around him to, to be going right, to be at his best. I have one number for you, Greeny, as it relates to Kirk Cousins in that route if Baker Mayfield does wind up going. If you go back to Kirk Cousins' first year playing under the franchise tag with Washington to mm-hmm. now, he's the highest paid player in the NFL. Kirk Cousins has made over that time $159 million. So if you're not going to get paid by, you know, by your team... That's probably the best route to go for Baker Mayfield financially. Yeah, it might be. And it might be the direction this all goes. There's a part of me that feels bad for him. I, I, I don't want to make this into the joke that I frequently do, but this all started because he, he made a tackle. Or he tried to. He hurt his labrum because he made a tackle. Now, on the play this past week, obviously, he wasn't making a tackle. He got knocked down, and it was just hideous. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.